Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. It's that time again. I'm Ani Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit. One part rational mind, add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonders of cosmic co-creation, and a hearty hello to you all, hello, hello, hello! Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, the FBI just announced a change in their mission statement. FBI now stands for favoritism before integrity. The latest raid on you-know-who has destroyed the Fred's, the Fed's credibility. Darlings, what is going on in the dark corridors of the Vatican Bank? Has the cabal run out of ideas and it's a government-run think tank? If we are going to save this great nation, we have to dissolve all partisan affiliations. Please tell me you know the government is chock full of crooks. Please tell me you won't let them get off the hook. Sad, mad, often bad, volatile little world. And as always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll give you that, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, let me take a little sip of my drinky poo just to make sure it's good enough for the show. Hold on. Ooh, oh, it is good. It is good. And the Lord spoke and said, this spirit is good. Good choice, Arnie. Well done. All righty, before I get sozzled, if this is your first visit with us, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, however, this shot, uh, this shot, <laughs> oh, it was just one sip, people. This show is not politically correct because we do not wish to erode our intellect. Martini heads understand the machinery of deep state and its impact on civilization. We know how the world works, we know who runs it, and we know why. We know their agenda. We call out any and all attempts to turn mankind into brainwashed zombie automatons, living in a new world order dystopian nightmare of smart cities, where our every move is monitored 24-7, all leading to the cabal's ultimate goal of transhumanism to post-humanism. No soul will choose to incarnate into a zombie body. The New World Order plan is to have a soulless population, obedient slave workers with no capacity for individualized thought processes. Now, my darlings, if we look back on the last two plus years, we see how they used medical tyranny to impose this upon the masses, most of whom acted like zombie asses and did exactly as instructed by our very own modern dame, Dr. Mengele, that pocket-sized minion of the Dark Lord, Grouchy Fauci. I do hope you have all awakened from your media-induced slumber 
and are taking steps to purge your bodies from the bioweapon masquerading as an immunization. Help is available for those who are willing to take a few moments to search outside the mainstream for information. People, darlings, peeps, compadres, we all make mistakes. Granted, this was a big one, but if you have now realized, as millions have, that you were purposefully misled, that alone is a very good start to the purging process. To all those people who chose sovereignty over a paycheck, to all those who did not compromise their core moral principles, huzzah to you! It is no small thing to stand against the establishment's mob of hypnotized servants, and it is certainly no small thing to do that day in, day out, 24-7. I salute you all, and if we can stand tall in our truth in the face of ridicule and multiple threats, we can take one step further and be gracious to those who were duped and are now afraid and need our help. What do we stand for on this show? Common sense, common courtesy, common decency. Let us stand in our truth and stand in our light because the narrative is unraveling. If you're paying attention, you will see that the establishment organizations are backtracking, quietly removing whole paragraphs from their websites. Their websites, CDC, Pharma, all those affiliates, they have come up with a sort of a, a narrative that goes somewhere along the lines of, oh, we made some mistakes, we misjudged, maybe we were wrong about a few things. Mm. And the payouts for adverse reactions to the jab, up to and including mortality, they are very much in motion. Momentum is picking up. More medical people and scientific people especially in the research community, they're speaking out. Thank God, what kept you people? How do you do this stuff knowing that you're harming people? So huzzah to you for having the courage to come forward now. The first domino has been pushed and now we wait. There's no doubt in my mind that we are going to see a massive shift in power this year. I know it is difficult to imagine that we are in the midst of a great war, the light versus dark scenario, but to the aware, those who engage in life as opposed to simply going through the motions, you know, of paying taxes and dying, the excitement is mounting. I feel it. The thought of removing for all time this core of globalist sociopath corporate overlords, the thought of kicking them off the planet for once and for all. Well, my darling, I can honestly say it tickles us down to our little saucy bits. I'm often asked by the newly awakened what we can do to support the light during this war, most of which is being fought behind the scenes with misinformation and mind control protocols. Not with bombs, not with tanks. Well, here's my answer. First, sip your cocktail. <clears throat> oh, God, that's good. Right, once you've sipped your cocktail, look for and join local grassroots organizations, spirit-centered or other. You will be pleasantly surprised at how easily people who formerly identified as left-wing or right-wing have now come together to identify as, wait for it, Americans. Huzzah! Now, one of those groups is called Connecting Consciousness, and many members of my personal Telegram group are also members of the local chapters of Connecting Consciousness. So that's a place to start if you don't know where to go. Now, remember that the reason for lockdowns was nothing to do with the virus. Let's admit it, they want us dead. So no step taken by the establishment was designed to save lives. It was just the opposite. Right, why am I mentioning this? Isolation weakens the mind and destroys the mental health and motivation. You're locked up, you're confused, you're disoriented. That's what they want. So don't do that. Join your local group, go to their Zoom meetings and go to their potlucks. 
This type of connection, when people come together at a local level to connect with one another, is what destroys totalitarian regimes. Believe it or not, that is true. It does so more effectively, oftentimes, than mass rallies and open dissidents. The goal is to rely on the state for nothing, for no thing, to be as self-sufficient as possible, to be a community that supports itself and ultimately a long way down the road, perhaps, but a community that polices itself and lets go of this ridiculous notion of common law and moves towards a Brehan law style arbitration. This is my dream that I have for planet Earth. Now, darlings, if we look at history, the history of populations under totalitarian regimes, which is, of course, the regime the current administration is attempting to create for Americans. People who suffered under totalitarian regimes, they survived, they remained sane, and they ultimately conquered their fascist overlords by creating parallel structures. The people worked together to bypass assistance from the state. Now, I was first introduced to this a very long time ago. Um, it's also called the black market, by the way. You know, I remember my first trip to what was then uh, Soviet Armenia. I was 11 years old, um, so that was a long time ago. And to this day, when I think about it, I have no idea how we managed to get this past the Soviet Union customs officers. But we took an unholy amount of cartons of Marlboro cigarettes, of Wrigley's spearmint gum, Wrangler blue jeans, Quality Street candies and chocolates, and a wad, a very large wad of American dollars, which confused me as we lived in the UK at the time. But, you know, you don't ask too many questions when you are 11 years old. And upon arrival in Yerevan, the capital of Armenia, we gave these items to our cousins who were able to sell them on the parallel economy, commonly known as the black market. One evening, over dinner, they explained to us how it all worked, how people traded with one another, under the carpet, as it were, away from establishment eyes, and not just goods, but also services. Their goal was to make the dark state redundant, to stop buying whatever it was that they were selling. If you study your history, darlings, you will see that people suffer horribly under these regimes. They suffer horribly. They are bullied. They are threatened, humiliated, tortured, and even murdered. And yet, and yet, our sovereign souls will cry out for freedom, our true nature which is cosmic, divine, and all-powerful, will assert itself. And like a tiny flower that somehow manages to grow through the narrowest crack in a concrete jungle, the soul will fight to fulfill its purpose, to expand consciousness, and to bring the glory of the divine to its current realm of experiencing. You might find this book an interesting read. It's called The Power of the Powerless, Citizens Against the State in Central Eastern Europe. And it's by Vaclav Havel, who was a Czechoslovakian um, statesman, author, poet, playwright, um, and more importantly, former dissident became before he became all those things. So Havel served as the last president of Czechoslovakia from, what was it, oh, 1989 until the dissolution of Czechoslovakia in what was 1992. And then as the first president of the Czech Republic, um, I think he, he would have served from 93 to 2003. And he was the first democratically elected president of, of, of either country anyway, after the fall of communism. So I liked this book. I read it recently. I'm going to read you a little bit of the Amazon blurb here. It's a book of great political insight and novelty. Um, and this reissued work initially published in 1985 is, is no exception. Written shortly after the formation of Charter 77, the essays in this collection are among the most original and compelling pieces of political writing to have emerged from Central and Eastern Europe during the whole of the post-war period. Harvel's essay, 
provides the title for the book. It was read by all the contributors who in turn responded to the many questions which Harville raises about the potential power of the powerless. So the essay explains the anti-democratic features and limits of Soviet type totalitarian systems of power. And they discuss concepts such as ideology, democracy, civil liberty, law, and the state from a perspective which is radically different from that of the people living in so-called liberal Western democracies of the time. And the author also discusses the prospects for democratic change under totalitarian conditions. So I would get that book if you're at all interested. Um, there's a very broad spectrum here of democratic opinion, liberal, conservative, socialist, and uh, people who also like enchiladas. Very well-written book, very enlightening, and a useful read. And I do like books that are easy to read, that bring it down to the common man. Um, and you'll connect a lot of dots here. So, all right, grassroots, fantastic. Parallel economies, black market, huzzah. What about the individual? What can we do to become better versions of ourselves so that we are better members of a community? Well, we could stop engaging in ego-driven rituals. And let me clarify, because unless the ego is understood, permanent healing will not be possible. It all starts within. Perception is unique to the individual. There is only inner awareness, and therefore, in my opinion, consciousness is best defined as the sum total of one's inner awareness. Ego is not your identity. Not when we talk about it in these terms. It is your attachment to it. If you're listening to this show, and why would I be talking to you if you're not? I will assume that you know you are spirit having an individualized manifestation as a human. That human has a personality. That human has an identity. And those things are useful, especially on physical planes. The soul knows it needs a meat body for a physical incarnation. And it knows that the meat body has a bloodline and all the ancestral coding that goes with it. The challenge being to override the dysfunctional aspects of such coding. The soul knows that its goal is to inhabit the human in such a way as to encourage the personality to refine itself and to merge with the higher self. And in doing so, bring great light into our world. Merging the personality with its higher self, it does not mean giving up our identity or sacrificing the pleasures a physical realm offers. If we think about it, darlings, it's quite the contrary, actually. By being the best version of ourselves, we enjoy life to the fullest. What is a mortal lifespan these days? I don't know. If you live well, I suppose. Um, 80 years to 100 years? That sounds good. How many lives have we wasted by feeding the darker aspects of the ego? How do we become the best version of ourselves then? Look, it's easy. It really is. But it requires persistence, diligence and focus and a sprinkling of incense and hocus pocus. So let's talk a little bit about how to identify and dissolve the darker aspects of the ego 101 super condensed version for this podcast. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You just need to review your relationship with all things. Example. If you spend a goodly portion of your time on the road and you want to drive a Rolls Royce, and you can afford one, go for it, enjoy it. Just ask yourself why you want it and why you think you'll enjoy it. Is it because you enjoy driving, you drive a lot, and uh, what fun it would be to drive luxury cars with powerful engines, and despite all that power, 
These luxury cars will give you a smooth, comfortable, quiet ride. How, how useful would that be? And how useful would it be to have an air-chilled glove compartment so your chocolate doesn't melt on a hot summer's day? Now, I'm not mocking here. I love chocolate. And an air-chilled glove compartment is a wonderful idea. Now, under those circumstances, you drive a lot. You should have a luxury car. It's a quiet car. It's a comfortable ride. Your chocolate doesn't melt. Under those circumstances, enjoy your roller in good health. That's a well-adjusted ego. It will enjoy the ride, but owning such a ride doesn't define the driver's personality. Perhaps, though, on the other hand, you want a Rolls-Royce to show off. Ooh, look, I've arrived. Behold my custom paint job and every available tricked-out embellishment. I need people to see me in this. All the people who said I would never make it big. I want to see the look on their faces as I drive this ostentatious display of my overinflated ego down the boulevard. Well, you know, that is not a well-adjusted ego, is it? That is a personality that looks outside itself for validation. It scours the world for magic baubles while ignoring the greatest and most precious gem within its own soul. We are always, when we're not adjusted, looking outside ourselves for validation. How dysfunctional is that? Well, I'll answer that question. It's quite dysfunctional. Examining our relationship to objects is a useful exercise when examining the ego. Take a look at your vehicle, or if you don't have a vehicle, pick something else that you use regularly. I don't know. How does it make you feel? How do you feel in relation to this object? There is no right or wrong answer here, but honesty is required. You'll soon discover the level of attachment you have to the physical objects in your life. Allow yourself to complete the thought process. If uncomfortable emotions come up, process them, stick with it. If you get into the habit of hiding from yourself, you will fail at everything and you will have a crappy life, an unfulfilled life, and that is a waste of a God-given incarnation. Trust me on this. We enjoy things more if we know our time with them is limited to one short life. Lose the attachment and gain the enjoyment, people. And you can also apply this exercise to relationships, of course. Are you, for example, a possessive spouse? How insecure must you be to indulge the ego in one of the most unattractive traits a personality can develop? Self-honesty is the key here. Those who hide from themselves are truly lost. How do you expect somebody else to find you if you can't even find you? Okay, let's move on to behavior. Do you pout when your expectations are not met? Do you take things personally? Do you withhold love, whatever you think love is, when you are angry or upset? How many times each day are you triggered and disoriented by someone or something? We have a responsibility, my darlings, as adults to refine our personalities. And responsibility means having an appropriate response to situations. Remember, we can control just three things in life, our thoughts, our reactions and actions. Any insult we perceive, any threat we perceive, anything that causes us anxiety, extreme frustration, anger, anything that puts us in a place of fear, is not the soul. The soul is incapable of suffering because it is divine. The part that hurts us is the ego, also known as the false ego, also known as the pain body. Why do we repeat day in, day out, let the spirit inhabit the human? Because the spirit lives in peace, while the human 
unless guided by the spirit, will always choose to live in pain. What a ridiculous shortcut to take. So to dissolve the false ego, we have to spend time each day cultivating the vibration of the spirit. Our cosmic nature should be the primary vibration in our energy field at all times. How do we achieve this? Oh, no, she's going to go on about deep breathing again, isn't she? There's a reason that's all we go on about, because that's what works. Good old-fashioned deep breathing meditation done daily to keep the energy anatomy clear, pure, vital, and stable. Also, with prayerful contemplation with our higher selves, so we develop a familiarity with the spirit voice within. Our minds should be attuned to divine mind. We should be the ones who run our minds in alignment with all that is. Because if we don't own our minds, there are truly evil forces on our realm who are all too happy to rent that space. And darlings, you must have figured out by now, they are not good tenants. So armed with this knowledge, let's put it into practice. Whenever we're triggered, Let's step back. Let's take a few deep breaths to clear the aura because the trigger you are experiencing is an actual short circuit in your energy's electrical system and breathing is the only way to smooth it out and to regain objectivity. So let's take a few steps back and do some breathing and ask ourselves, why are we triggered? Which part of us reacted and why? Let's not engage in the rituals of becoming angry, frustrated, insulted, annoyed, and embedding that frequency in our auras, letting it float around like some wayward satellite of woe in orbit around our being, just waiting for a similar vibration to come along and join it and further feed the ego. The part of us that is insulted is the ego. The soul is waiting patiently for us to figure this out. We are drama-fueled, aren't we? Well, that's a sign of being self-absorbed. And a self-absorbed world is a very small world. And a small world begets a small mind. And small minds are at the mercy of large corporations and their perceptual engineers. They can sell you anything. They can convince you to do anything. So, darlings, don't be small-minded. If we truly want to become the best version of ourselves, we must understand the importance of glorifying our true nature. The cosmic soul, eternal, magnificent. Let the spirit merge with every nanocell of the human. Let the spirit guide the human adventure. One fully self-realized person will bring more illumination to this realm than we could possibly imagine. Because once self-realized, the entire hierarchy of light flows through us 24-7. All the resources of the universe will be at our disposal. And knowing this, why would we continue to wallow in mediocrity? Why are we so afraid of our own power, our unlimited potential? Why do we always go around thinking that somebody else knows something that we don't or they know better than we do? Well, I'll tell you why. It is because we have been steered away from core metaphysical tenets. Teachings have been deliberately mistranslated, amended, altered, edited, with the goal being to make mankind accustomed to living in confusion. And it has worked. Billions of people walking around with scrambled eggs for brains. The ego is being fed daily by the big spoon. Enfeebled minds are lining up daily for their dose of establishment nonsensical nom-noms. I bet you, if I were to go out on the street today and interview, say, 100 people and ask them to correctly define the term ego, 
I would be surprised if 10% came close. Every time we are hurt by another, let us remember it is our ego that perceives the pain, not our soul. And that, my darlings, actually is a very good jumping off point for prayerful contemplation. Before I go to bed at night, about an hour or so before, I review my day. I make peace with my day. Did I act from ego, from fear? If, if so, I forgive myself. Um, and if anybody needs my forgiveness, I just send it along. I don't know if they need it, but you want to review at the end of each day so that you don't have these mm, electrical disruptions in your being all the time. And by the way, if you would like to further explore this subject, if you would like clarity with a goodly dose of hilarity, come along and join my Course in Miracles group. Details are on my website, arniabedissian.com, but I'll, you know, I'll share a few with you here. Annual registration fee is a nominal $99.99. We have sessions via Zoom on the second and fourth Mondays of each month at 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific. Content is the same for both sessions. We're just trying to make it easy across all the time zones. And these groups, they're very lighthearted. I generally present a concept from A Course in Miracles or from one of the Stoic philosophers. Then the group discusses the aforementioned concept and the floor is open to members' questions and comments. And since it isn't really a traditional curriculum, registration is ongoing, which means you can join at any time. And personal tuition is available because not everyone is comfortable discussing personal issues in a group setting. Uh, and that is at a nominal fee of $30 for one hour. So this is all very, very workable. Why did I decide to drop some of my other classes and focus on this? Oh, well, I want to reach as many people as possible. And everything we want truly is on the other side of fear. Fear is an error in our programming. Nothing will change on the outside if change is not made from the inside. I cannot stress this enough. We can conquer the ego. We can align with source and we can live happy, fulfilled lives while being of service to others and be joyous upon our mortal death, knowing that a new wondrous realm of the experience awaits us. Or we can feed the ego and live in disorientation and have a half-life, cry on our deathbed about how we wasted our lives and how much our children hate us, and just sit there terrified to die because we're unsure about our next destination. My darlings, could the choice be any clearer? I think not. All right, well, enough of my pontification for the day. Let's have a sippy poo of my drinky poo. Mm. That is a delightful cocktail. I think we should move on to quack, questions, answers, and comments. But before we do, a word of thanks to the people who make intergalactic distribution of this show possible. Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. Dedicated to exploring both the known and the unknown, then helping provide the products and tools to expand your reach. Mystical Wares has a large and varied inventory and is the perfect spot for people who value illumination over indoctrination and for people who know the difference between propaganda and ashwagandha. If you are experiencing spiritual stasis, head to Mystical Wares, Mount Vernon's metaphysical oasis. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. And jolly nice people they are too and very pleasant to deal with. All right, if you would like to share the contents of your ever-expanding minds on this critically acclaimed show, send your emails to me, arnie at arnieavidician.com, or by snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, U.S.A. And be sure to let us know if and how you wish to be identified, or we shall refer to you as omit personal details. Okay, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, 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 mixy, mixy. All right. All right. Our first question comes from somebody who 
who doesn't mind us telling everyone that he's from Stuttgart, but he doesn't want his name mentioned at this point. Um, and in full disclosure, I should uh, tell you, I fully intended to pick this email because I had a similar experience a few days ago right here in Oregon. And so nameless person from Stuttgart asks, hello, any crazy person. I have something very crazy for you. I am also an energy worker who blesses homes and removes ghosts. I have done this for nearly 10 years now, and I am seeing entities that I have never seen before. They are not animals, they are not humans, and I do not think they are a blend of humans and animals. Last month, one of these unnamed things physically attacked a client's cat and killed it. I have never experienced anything like this before. I say it was killed by an entity because it happened when dawn broke and the client was in the same bedroom as her cat. There is no evidence of anything or anyone entering the room and harming the cat. The client woke up to hear her cat screeching. She went to investigate and the cat's throat was slashed very deeply. There was blood in the cat's bed, but nowhere else. No trail of blood or footprints. My sense of it in meditation was a small flying object who appeared lost and very frightened. I believe that is why it attacked. Have you experienced this type of entity? And if so, how did you deal with it? We are keeping the incident quiet for now for obvious reasons. And there's a lot more to this letter than um, I'm allowed or comfortable reading to you. But you can see why we don't want to make a big thing of this um, at this moment. So. Here's my response. Attention, all people who clear property. Because we are at war with the forces of darkness, there is a great deal of motion in our universe presently. Where there is motion, there is potential for entities to enter our realm. Um, this isn't anything new, but whatever these beings are, and we will probably never know, um, and wherever they're coming from, here's the thing it doesn't appear that they're using portals. Experienced energy workers can see portals, they can open portals, they can close portals. So in my experience, they are coming through rifts, tiny fissures, like tiny cracks on a car's windshield. And I'm not sure it is their intention to travel through those rifts. So when they find themselves somewhere unfamiliar, they may well lash out. So this um, little darling that uh, I went to visit, I was called out on a job, um, a very similar to the Stuttgart job. Um, this little darling dog was attacked in the middle of the night, but praise be, survived the attack. Uh, she suffered a nasty deep slash across the back of her neck and she had puncture wounds. Now here's the thing, she was in bed with her daddy who was awakened by the dog screaming, covered in blood. And here's the thing, no trail of blood anywhere, just on the dog. And her human, a very big, strong man, who can easily ward off any threat to life and limb, saw and felt not a thing. And if someone had entered his bedroom and attacked the dog who was asleep right next to him, well, there's no way he would not have known. When we spoke to the dog, I mean, yes, humans can talk with animals, and I have a couple of friends who are very good at that who helped me. When we spoke to the god, uh, to the dog, well, he could have been a god, but he was a dog, uh, and I'm preserving identity here. The dog said he saw a black spot a dark thing. It flew in from the ceiling and he said it hurt me. She said it hurt me very quickly and it left very quickly. And she, the dog, could not give any other information as she was asleep when it happened. So I went through the crime scene first as a police detective, discounting anything paranormal. And I should say that that is my normal M.O. 
because a significant number of calls I get are not actually paranormal. They are mental health issues. They are things that exist in people's minds. So I'm examining the whole scene of this crime. And I think to myself, unless whatever it is can float and, you know, was invisible, there is no way this was a physical being known on our realm. The only sensible conclusion I can come to was that this was a true paranormal event. And I have to say, the Stuttgart letter is not the first report I've received of similar events. In answer to how I deal with it, um, after you know talking to the residents, etc., um, I performed my usual deep clearing and recalibration of the property. I found no open portals and no sense of an alien, as in unfamiliar, entity. I did, however, have the sensation that I was being watched, <clears throat> excuse me, from a remote location. And that could just be my perception, but I felt no dangerous entity on the premises. So I illuminated the grounds using my usual tried and trusted protocols. Now, here's the thing. It all went very well and so far so good. Um, excuse me, I'm a little dry. Hang on. Any excuse for a sip? Um, so I came home. I took my shower which one should always do immediately after a clearing, body in the shower, clothes in the washer. I noticed a red mark on my left wrist, an attempt at a puncture wound. And having worked in the past with large exotic animals, I'm more than a little familiar with puncture wounds. Then as I was drying off, I noticed on my stomach three red slashes not enough to break the skin and not enough to call it a bruise, but red slash marks about six inches long. And finally, as I was drying my back, I noticed a small red slash mark, barely a scratch, about two inches long. Now, I've been attacked by ghosts and other beings before, but it's a rare event and it hasn't happened in years. And when it has happened, I have been fully aware of it and took steps to stop it, of course. I have no recollection of being aware of this happening during that particular clearing. So, OK, my takeaway from this, because in my line of work, you have to make peace with the fact that you won't be able to identify everything you come across. I mean, after all, paranormal suggests you will come across things outside the normal. My takeaway from this is that if these beings are coming through the rifts, how will they find their way back to their realm? And if they can't find their way back, will they be able to survive here? And what do they need to survive? And is what they need harmful to beings on Earth? So as the gurus of old foretold, and they did, that by 2022, all manner of strange beasts will enter our realm and will thrive for as long as people remain locked in fear, which is clearly the case today. I mean, people are actually afraid to breathe. And if you're afraid to breathe, you don't stand a chance, do you? So, you know, the whole light versus dark and realms crashing into each other and little tiny cracks opening and entities and beings finding themselves in in realms they don't want to be in. We can't plan for this. But we can do something about it. My advice is to keep your personal energies high. Keep your vibration clear. Keep the energies in your homes and businesses high, vibrating high above the dysfunction of our world. When you don't know what you're dealing with, I suppose you could say prevention is the best defense, even though you don't know what you're trying to prevent. With all my experience and all my expertise, I can't predict when such an attack will take place. But I will share something with you. I'll share this. It happens far more often in the homes of people who are hoarders and in the homes of those with mental health issues and also in the homes of people who watch those dreadful paranormal activity shows on television. Images carry energy.
One can't prepare for a surprise attack from an untraceable, invisible entity. But one can illuminate one's heart and home to such an extent as to be off the radar of these beings. If we fly way above their frequency, we should be in good shape. Now, clearly, I'm doing a lot of research into this and I'm talking with other people who do, um, other experienced people who, have, uh, who do this line of work. Um, and if I have more information to share, I certainly will share. But if this was ever an advertisement for keeping your space clear and pure and vital, that's what you should be doing, people. All right. Um, okay, Stuttgart guy, I'm going to be having a Skype session with you shortly because I, I need to talk more about this. All right. Well, thank you. Um, what's next? Should we take another question? Shall we? Shan't we? Shall we? Let's do it. Okay, here's one from Anna. And Anna asks, Ani, what is the best incense for clearing a conference room before a business meeting that you know is going to devolve into insanity? <laughs> well, Anna, there are many choices, but uh, thrifty being that I am, I use plain grey benzoin chunks, which I burn on charcoal tablets. So I cleanse the space with the benzoin and toward the end of the burn, when the charcoal is a little cooler, I add a few grains of good quality frankincense. It's a marvelous combination for, for business meetings, for any kind of confrontation actually. And immediately after the meeting, I cleanse again, same combo, and I place a few cut up yellow onions in the room to absorb the, uh, what did you call it, the devolution into insanity vibe. I used to put a couple of bowls of salt in the conference rooms also before the meetings, but people kept mistaking it for sugar and adding it to their coffee. So, you know, go figure, I stopped doing that. Um, I am sure I don't have to say this to you, Anna, or to anyone else, but I will. Throw the onions out after a few hours. Do not, under any circumstances, take them home and eat them because onions suck up all the bad juju in the atmosphere. And that is why we never put onions on our hot dogs at the ballpark. Nor should we eat the hot dogs, really, because I'm not sure hot dogs are an actual food group. Okay, uh, let's have one more question before we move on to tarot. A go, go, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it. This is from Omit Personal Details, who says, I listened to your blurb on forgiveness on one of the older podcasts, and I do not agree with you. If someone has done something truly terrible, they do not deserve to be forgiven. All righty then. Um, well, Omit, it is a free will universe. So, my darling, feel free to carry the pain of your past with you forever and a day. Drag that pain with you. Let it fester within you and cause dreadful diseases and let it keep the prospect of a happy life as far away from you as possible. Perhaps the person who hurt you doesn't want your forgiveness. Perhaps they revel in having caused you pain. And now that you've extended their period of joy by holding on to the pain they caused, oh, how wonderful and happy they must feel. <laughs> the perceived aggressor one, the perceived victim zero. Darling, drop me a line once in a while. Let me know how that all goes for you. Or perhaps you might just consider this whole ego thing that we just discussed and liberate yourself from the pain body. Don't be tiny-minded, omit. Don't shut down your heart. And also understand that forgiveness is as much for your benefit than somebody else's. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody who wrote in for quack questions, answers, and comments, because you you know, we wouldn't have a show without you. But now it is time to move on to Tarot A Go Go. 
a little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. And what's our favorite tarot deck? We're still using the Robin Wood deck. And today's card is the Ten of Swords. Let me pick up this bad boy and uh, let's see what it has to offer. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's yes, it's there. All right. Ten of Swords. Wow. That is one heck of a card, isn't it? So it's a chap, I think, laying face down on the ground. And he has ten large swords in his back, all in a row down his spine. I think probably at this point he is quite beyond a chiropractor's help. Um, when we look at this, what impressions does it give us other than, ooh, ow, ooh, I'm dead. Let's see. Well, the end of a cycle, certainly. Something's ended. In the case of this card, this bloke's life has ended. Um, he's stabbed in the back, quite literally, uh, an ending. So we look at it and we go, it could mean many things, really. It could be emotional, it could be physical. Has there been a decision that we made that alters our life? Um, were we forced to make a change? Is it a card of utter ruin and failure? Um, is it the death of an illusion? I mean, it's painful. What's, what's happening here? Are we not letting go? Are we the ones that are attracting this with our negative thinking? I mean, it could be anything. You have to look at the cards around it, too. It could be bankruptcy. It could be, I mean, it could be horrible pain. It could be spinal surgery. Um, it could be a terminal illness has been diagnosed. There's just a, se a sense of, oh, with this card. It could also be m surgery. Yeah, multiple injections. Oh, don't get me started on the injections. Um, certainly when you've, you know, when you pick this card, you're going to have to really look around. I mean, have you hit bottom? Something has not worked and we definitely need to change direction. There's a lot of sadness coming from this card, a lot of depression. There's loss. We made a wrong choice, perhaps, and we're suffering the consequences of that. We may have lost someone. Hmm. Perhaps you're depressed to the extent that you need real help, a therapist. Um, something perhaps you've needed, something that's done and finished with, but you haven't let go. Either way, when you get this card... You need to take a really good look at your life. Take some deep breaths and take a really good look at your life and see what has ended, what cycle has ended or what cycle you're not allowing to end. Hmm. Doesn't give me a good feeling. Let's put it in the reversed position, the challenged position, and let's see if we feel better about it. All right. So in the reversed position, I could say it looks like the worst is over because he's upside down and the swords are falling out. So my initial reaction with this is that there is improvement. We have made peace with the end of that cycle, whatever it was. And we are now, um, well, we're congratulating ourselves for having survived whatever that monstrous um, experience was. Um, and we're on the other side of it now. The worst is over, I would say. But on the other hand, and this is why you don't just buy tarot cards, open them and read a book to see what those cards mean. On the other hand, it could be that this problem is going to be very, very drawn out. Um, it could well be that, especially if you have other cards like the Three of Swords and the Tower, it could well be a terminal illness. It could be a death. You could receive news of a, of a death or a serious, serious illness. Um, it could go either way, really. But there's a, this is a card of long-suffering. 
This isn't just something out of the blue. This is something that's been going on for a very long time. And either way, for good or for bad, you're going to have to end it and move on. Mm, the Ten of Swords. Very interesting card. Um, you know, when I do tarot, I mean, I teach tarot. I teach tarot not for divination. Because who can tell the future? Because, you know, it hasn't happened yet, has it? And what we're doing in this present moment very much defines what's going to happen in the future. So I teach tarot for self-discovery. And you don't have to have formal lessons either. You can go out and buy yourself a nice little tarot deck, something pretty, something nice, um, but fairly traditional. Don't go out and buy something really weird and off the charts. And, you know, bless it, play with it, put your energy on it. And, you know, once in a while, while you're sitting there shuffling it, because that's the best way to put your energy in it, pick a card. So, you know, say to yourself, well, give me some advice for today, universe. And just pick a card and don't go to the book and say what that card is supposed to mean. Let that card transmit its energy to you. Do it that way first. Form a relationship with your cards. Then later on, you know, when you're sort of comfortable with that, you can go ahead and study the tarot a little bit more formally, you know, find out what all the suits mean and what the archetypes of the major arcana are. But this isn't something just to throw down. This isn't a crystal ball, a, a, a psychic with a velvet dress and a weird hairdo telling you that you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. Don't use it for that. That's all rubbish. Keep it with you as a sort of a personal oracle something to help you with your spiritual path, something that you can journey with. Mm. So there we are. All right. Now, my darlings, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. Look at the time. We are getting very, very close to the end of the show. So let me take a little sip of my drink. Mm. Let me very quickly remind you to visit my website once in a while and find out what's going on, because that's where I go if I want to know what I'm doing. And sign up for my Monday messages. Uh, they come out once a month, and they're short and they're sweet. And like me, they are full of buttery goodness, and they will keep you abreast of what I am doing. And we all want to know what we're doing with our breasts at any time in history. So, sweethearts, we're getting very close. I think that's it for today. Um, I have finished my lovely drink. And as always, that means the end of the show. I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I had a blast. You know that I always do because it is my pleasure to join bi-weekly with all of you adorable martini heads. And I do hope that one day I can gather you all up in my arms and take you out for a proper metaphysical martini. But until then, today's real life cocktail was a classic Tom Collins, and here's how you make it. Get yourself two fluid ounces of good gin, two fluid ounces of fresh lemon juice, one fluid ounce of simple syrup, one dash of Angostura bitters, a cup of ice cubes, quarter of a cup of cold club soda, a slice of limon for garnish, and one Luxardo maraschino cherry. Do not buy the cheap cherries. They are terrible. So get yourself a cocktail shaker, fill it with ice, pour in the gin, the lemon juice, the simple syrup, add a dash of bitters, cover and shaky shaky until the outside of the container is frosty, 15 to 20 seconds. Then strain it all into a highball glass full of ice, top it off with club soda and garnish with a lemon slice and a lovely Luxardo cherry. It is delicious stuff. Now remember folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top shelf ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. You heard it from me, one drink. I'm Arnie Mad Shaman Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, stop being influenced by the mainstream media. Try to research something beyond just 
going to Wikipedia. Don't let the perceptual engineers drive you to schizophrenia. And above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to the metaphysical martini with Ani Alpatisian, the mad shaman, a production of cosmicreality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest shungite collections available.